0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Well, I am mean, it's an honor to be, at, be able to be at this pulpit this morning, be able to teach what God has given me. And I've had this message for really a really long time, actually a couple of years. <laughs> and I kind of put it to the side and left it there and, uh, I didn't really have the words for it. I just had a title, and uh, the title of my message is more of a question than I guess the title. But it is: "Is heaven too far for you? Is heaven too far for you?" And uh, we're going to start out with Matthew chapter twenty-four, <clears throat> and we're read twelve and thirteen, and it says, "Because of iniquity." Or sin shall abound; the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endureth unto, unto the end, the same shall be saved. <clears throat> now, the, the title, like I said, of this message is "Is Heaven Too Far for You?" When I think of far, you know, you might think, "Oh, well, it's really a long ways off," and that's partly what it is. It's a distance of space. Um, But it also could be a time frame. And when I got the message, I'm thinking, you know, God, that's really a strange title. But I know for some, you know, maybe you've been walking in this for a long time. And, you know, I know when we came into the church, we came in uh, the early 80s, the Lord was coming back. You know, that's in the 80s. You know, then you come to the 90s and, you know, the Lord is coming back. And sometimes in a journey, when we think of that, we think, well, you know, this is a long journey. And for some, people get weary. And some, you know, that have been here before are not here any longer. And in this portion of scripture that I'm reading, the disciples of Jesus ask him privately, what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? And I know we'd all like to know that, wouldn't we? I mean, I'd like to know, hey, what... Jesus tell me, hey, it's tomorrow, you know. Well, I think if everybody just knew the exact day, you know, they'd just get themselves prepared for that day. But, you know, we don't know the day or the hour. So what he does then, he goes on and he starts talking about wars and famines and pestilence and earthquakes. And then just a little after this verse of scripture that I read, he also talks about false Christ, prophets, and tribulation. So he lets them know that there are going to be certain things that are going to come your way before I'm going to come. You know, you're going to have wars, you're going to have famines and pestilence. We just went through a little bit of that, didn't we? Pestilence is basically pegs, uh, plagues, uh, epidemics and that. We had COVID we just went through. But right in the middle of what he's speaking about, he says you need what to endure it all. We need to endure to the end to be saved. You don't just endure part of the way through. You know, well, you know I did pretty good for a couple years, God. You know, you know you're going to have your battles. You're going to have your wars. We all do. You know, you might have time. When we talk about famine. you might have time. Well, you know, I don't have as much food on the table as I used to. You know, I go, you go through pestilence. You go through life situations. You go through your sicknesses. You know the ground around you might be shaking. You know my, uh, you know you have them a little shaking of the ground, the earthquakes. You know my job might not be too secure. I don't know if I'm going to lose it. You know, everything around us, things happen. You know we go through the trials, the temptations. We go through the battles of life, and that's why I can ask you this day: Is this heaven too far for you? Will you endure? Will we endure? To endure means, will you undergo or pass through whatever comes your way? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much pain you're going through, how much stress, hardships. Will you go through it without yielding? Now, my wife knows I don't like pain. I don't, I'm just something, you know. I I complain, you know, if I get a little this or that. You know, my wife, wife, you know, she doesn't complain too much. She goes through a lot more pain than I think I do. But I like, you know, I complain about it too much, you know. And I'm thinking, man, I sure can't endure too much. But I'll tell you one thing. In this walk that I'm at, I've, been, I've determined that I will endure. I don't want, I, you know, things come your way. And sometimes I don't want to hear all the bad. You know, some people listen to this or they listen to that gossip and that. I don't want to hear all of that. You know, I'm not going to let that tr- trouble me in my walk with God. Because no matter what, I've determined, and you all have to determine, each one of us has to determine that you're going to make it. You're not just all of a sudden going to fall into heaven. And we talk about grace, and I know we live in grace. But I remember Brother Tamil once said, you know what he said? Grace isn't like a little little bit of pixely dust that you throw on top of you, and now all of a sudden I've got grace. And I'm going to heaven just like that. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6 and we're going to read verses 8 and 9. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption or death. That's all you're reaping to. That's all you care about. I'm storing up. I'm taking care of my flesh. You're going to reap death. But he that soweth, what? To the Spirit, shall of the Spirit, what? Reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall, what? Reap if we faint not. You will reap, church. In everything, we'll reap. We'll reap souls. The kingdom of God will grow. We cannot be weary, you know, in well-doing. We need to keep on working for the kingdom. We need to keep working for ourselves, for our our salvation. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. This is a journey that we are on. Some say um, they don't have the endurance for it, you know. Um... In Proverbs nine and eleven, it says the race is not to the swift. It's not just a quick race, you know. This isn't a fifty-yard dash. It's a journey that we are on. And uh, now, this is not a quick t- question, a, a trick question. When I when I thought this or wrote this down, I thought, well, you know, they're going to think this is a trick question, but it's not. Now, how many of you like to go on vacation? Does anybody like to go on vacation? There's nothing wrong. Don't. don't this is not sinful, guys. You know. We do all need a time of R and R. We really do. Because, you know, we do go through a lot of things in life. Now, when you're going to go on vacation, it is a trip. You plan for it, don't you? You take the time. You take the effort. It costs you money. It costs you something. You prepare for it. But you know in the end it's going to be worth it. All the effort that I put towards what I'm going to go for is going to be worth it. And we also we look forward to it. Sometimes you know before I'm going on vacation, you know my wife and I are going to actually go on vacation in August. I you know I'm looking forward already. You know I'm excited about it. You know to be honest, I am. And uh, so it's something to look forward to. Now let's turn to Titus chapter two and thirteen. Titus two and thirteen, and it says looking for. That blessed hope and glorious appearance of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, are we looking forward to that? It's in the future. It's going to happen. It is something you should all look forward to. This is something that we should be excited about. Not that we don't live our lives trying to please God, work for the kingdom and that, because he's coming. But we should be excited. It should be something that we should look forward to that we would press towards and to accomplishing. Now, when you're going to go on vacation or you're looking up vacation, sometimes you might get brochures or lots of us now, of course, we look online to find out the different places we want to go. And the brochures and stuff, you know, sometimes they can be deceiving. Or your online pictures, they can be deceiving. I know sometimes, we're, and we're doing that now, you know, we're looking up these hotels, Oh, that one looks pretty good. That one looks a little dark. I don't know if I want that one. That room looks too dark. Or you know, you're trying to pick it up by what you're seeing or what's in the bashures that you might get. And those bashures don't always tell the right story. You get there sometimes, you know, and go, this is not what I paid for. You know? In your Bible, this is a true Bashur. This is true. What it says that it means. You know, what is in here is truthful. And you can believe everything that you're seeing or reading in here. You can have confidence in God's word. It is very accurate. It is First Corinthians 2 and 9, it says, Eye is not seen, nor ear is heard, neither has entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Now, you don't, it hasn't even entered into your mind. You know, I got things in my mind, the places you're going to go and see and we try to picture heaven what it's going to be like. We try to picture that place. But it even hasn't even entered into your mind what it's going to be like. Now when you go on trips, I know when we go on driving trips, this is a while, the reason why we don't always go on driving trips, is because, you know, we always seem to get lost, or we're always arguing, where are you going to eat? Dan, you went the wrong way. I told you we should have went there. You should have went this way or that way. So... We have a fun time when we take road trips. So, but when you take trips, when you're on your journeys, sometimes you get distracted, don't you? And this was a silly distraction, but we're driving down the road, and I'm turning my head, and I just happen to see this, this uh, store. And I go, that looks kind of different. Kind of drive maybe 100 feet or so ahead. And I go to Trudy, I said, that store looked really interesting. I think we should go inside her and see what it's like. She says, okay, go ahead. You know, we got the time. Let's, let's stop. So we went inside of it, you know. There was nothing to it. It was more like, um, I would call it like a big lot store. Not against big lots. If you like big lots, there's nothing wrong with it. But it was nothing, nothing fancy, you know. But it was, you know, just something to get me a little bit off my track. It wasn't really something I really needed to stop for. But, you know, when you're on your journey, sometimes we do get sidetracked by little things. Little things sidetrack you on your journey. Now, Satan would like nothing more than to sidetrack us. He loves to get you off course. You know, you might think you're, I'm kind of, kind of going straight, you know. And by the time you think about it, you're trying to get back to that place where, you know, you're walking. But sooner or later, you're sidetracked. You're way over here. You know, we, we get sidetracked at times. And he would like the farther he gets you, from the where, the area where you should be, he hopes you're so far off track that you can't find your way back. And that's what happens to some. We get ourselves so far off track. And uh, <clears throat> he wants us to believe we have a lot of time to get back in place where we need to be. You know, you, don't, you got plenty of time. And... Uh, I know sometimes, Trudy and I have flown quite a bit. When we go on cruises, we do fly lots of times to where we're, the destinations we're going to go. And I know if we heard I get to the airport, if the plane's not there, I don't go, you know what? You know, I got lots of time. You know, the plane, isn't even here. I think, you know, we're going to leave for a while, Trudy. We can, you know, go down the street. We don't do that. If the plane's not there, do you guys just get up and, you know? Because I'll tell you, if the plane comes... It ain't going to wait for you. And I know when I, we first started cruising, um, my boss told me, he says, you know what, you need to get to your destination the day before you're going to go on your cruise. And I go, well, why is that? He says, well, one time I had set up, I was going to go on this cruise. And he says, it took us so long to get there. Our plane was delayed. You know, everything just kind of went wrong that day. He said, I actually missed the boat. You know, The ship's not going to wait for you. You know, we need to be prepared because we know not what hour the Lord is going to return. Your ship will leave. It'll leave behind without you. And so will the plane. In Matthew 24 and 44, it says, Therefore, be ye ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Just when you think he's not going to come, that's when he's going to come. You need to be prepared all the time. This is, this is I mean, we need to be steadfast. I, I can't get this more than grounded into you. This is a journey, and it, it should be something you should be excited about. You should be excited about walking with God. We should be excited about this kingdom. Do we show excitement? You know, and it's, it's not, we can all be like this, and I'm sure it happens to you too. But I have people come up to me and it says, you know, why are, you know, things are, why are you all excited? Why? It's because God's in my life. You know, I don't get so, you know, I, and I'm, no, don't get me wrong. I have my down times too. But we should have more up times than down times. You walk around like this all the time with a dragged face. Nobody's going to want any of that, church. People want to see that God's in your life. If God's in your life, God, they, people should be able to see that. This is not the time to leave the church. The church is kind of like, I think of it as your airport, if you really might say. We get our instructions here. We get, our, we get to know what flight we're going to be taking, how we're going to get there, where we need to get on. <clears throat> it is not a time. Uh, it is not the time. We are too close the time of our trip. It's not time to leave. We're just too close. We don't know. We don't want to miss this flight. Now, if we turn to Matthew chapter 24 again, Matthew 24, and we're going to read 40 through 42. And it says, then two shall be in the field, one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding in the mill; one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord cometh. You know, we don't know when. And I sure, I'll tell you one thing, I'd really feel terrible if I'm standing there with, uh, let's say, Brother Kylie, and he's taken and I'm left. I don't want to be that one left, do you? I don't want to be that one left. I want to make it, like I said... And some will say, you know what? Well, God's paid the price for me. You know, it's all set. You know, I've got grace. I'm living, you know, it's all set. And I'll tell you what God did. God paid a price for every one of you. The price is already paid for you. The ticket's already bought for every one of us, right? So we we don't have to worry about it. It's all taken care of. My wife and I, we we paid for our kids um, and our grandkids, the whole family, to go on a cruise with us. And uh, the thing is, it was paid for. It was all taken care of. But you know what? They still had to get to the boat. They had to get to the ship in order to enjoy the cruise. They weren't just automatically there because it it was paid for. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah's got grace. Don't have to worry about the flood. You know what? I don't need to build a boat. Well, he sure did, didn't he? He still had to build that boat, and he still had to get on it. So just because you got grace doesn't mean you're just all of a sudden set, I'm going to heaven. <clears throat> now I believe in grace. God gives us the ability to be saved. I remember Brother Tamil put that in my mind, ever since I heard him say that, this is many years ago, he says, "Grace gives you the ability to be saved. That's what grace does. God gave grace. The grace of God has appeared unto all men. Does that mean all men saved? No. But the grace of God has appeared unto us. God has given every man, woman, and child an opportunity to be saved. We cannot stay in neutral. If you stay in neutral, you won't go anywhere. If you go out there after this service, you get in your car and put it in neutral, you ain't gonna go nowhere. You know, and there are some people they want to just stay neutral. You know, they ain't going nowhere. You ain't going to go nowhere staying neutral. We need to get out of that neutral mentality. You can't be neutral about salvation. This is not just the road trip or just a vacation. This is forever. We must stay on the course. Paul in Acts 20 and 19 says, Serving the Lord with humility, or to lack of pride he means, of mine and with many tears and temptations which befell me. So he served the Lord no matter what. Remember, he was stoned. You know, there's a lot of things, shipwrecked. A lot of things happened to Paul, but it didn't really matter. The tears, the temptations, whatever befell him did not stop him from being on his course. In Acts 20 and 24, he even goes on to say, But none of these things moved me or had an effect on me. This should not. Drive you away from God. And, I, and, and a lot of people says, well, I'll, I'll get there in a minute. And he also says, I have finished, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. We are on a course that we must finish. Oh, I love what it sticks together. <clears throat> now, we can stay in Egypt. And just live there. We can live in the world if we'd like. But do we really want to do that? Do we want to go back to where God first found us? Peter talks about it as being like a dog turning back to its vomit. So you know the apostles know there were some that left the church. There are people that left and went right back to their old lifestyles and the things where they were. I don't want to be like Egypt. Egypt was on the way to the promised land. And you know what they always wanted to be back in Egypt. That's where they wanted to live. You know? <clears throat> where this is where, you know, there that's where their desire was. Their pleasure was in Egypt, the sin of the world, the sins of pleasure. Paul wrote talking about Moses, he said Moses what? Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You know? We, we got to stay on course, church. Israel, like I said, wanted to be in Egypt. They loved the fruit, the water, the pleasures. You know, this is not a pleasant place, they said. You know, they don't, we don't like being out here in this wilderness. I enjoyed it back in Egypt. It was more fun back there. And that's why some people turn away from God. I've heard people say, you know what? You know, the, the church, it can't be the right way. Since I came to the church, you know what? Things are coming at me all the time. It was, I had it better when I was in Egypt. I had it better when I was in the world. This can't be the right way. It can't be the right church. I'll tell you, the devil would love you to believe that. He would love you to believe that you're not in the right place. He wants you dissatisfied of where you're at. Don't get dissatisfied. Don't get weary and well-doing, church. Continue your journey. Because Satan is trying to destroy us. It's Bible and and Peter says, be sober. Because why? Because if you're not sober, it'll affect your judgment. Being sober, you need to be discreet. Showing discern in your sayings and your actions. We need to be discerning. He said, be uh, vigilant means we need to be watchful. Because the adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to devour you. He's coming at us, and he does. Satan doesn't like that you left Egypt. He doesn't like it. And you know what? The Egyptians didn't like that they let Israel go either. What did they do? They went right after him into the wilderness, didn't they? They sure did. And that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to go after us and he's trying to discourage you. Now Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 and eight, 8 through 10. And it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called out of the place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing where he went, by faith he sojourning in the land of promise as a strain in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and with Jacob, the heirs of with him with in <clears throat> of the same promise. And he looked what? For a city which had foundations, which builder and maker was God. You know what? It didn't matter. He stayed on the journey. He was looking for something more. And we need to be looking for something more. Abraham had faith. He was called by faith. And he so journeyed looking for a city and a maker, which was God. God is making a city church. He is making a city for us to dwell in. And we can't stop until we get there. Hebrews 11 and 16, it says, <clears throat> But now... Ye desire a better country, that is, a heavenly. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. God is preparing a city for his church. We should be excited. John, you know, we can't, we don't, we can't see it. We don't advise to describe it in Revelation. He gives us a little glimpse. And in that little glimpse, he says it is the same size, In all directions. The height, the width, the length are all the same. It's 1,500 miles square. That is a big city. You know, we don't have any cities like that. You know, it would take to go from Houston to San Diego. From San Diego all the way to Canada. Another 1,500 miles across. And then all the way back down to Houston. That is some city that God is preparing for us. It has 12 foundations. That's about 125 miles in between each foundation. If you divide it into miles, there would be three 375 million rooms. You talk about a place he's making for us. This is the city that we are striving for, church. This is the city that God is preparing for us. The walls are going to be made of jasper. They're going to be 216 feet high. It's going to be garnished with emeralds and sapphire and, and, and topaz. And the city is going to be a pure gold. The gates are going to be pearls. And the streets are going to be gold. You don't think this is a place that God is preparing for you? God's preparing it for you and for me. And God doesn't want anybody, anyone to perish. He wants us all to make it. He's building a place for you, you individually. Now, this, this city, it doesn't even need the sun or the moon because God is going to be the light. There will be no more death, no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more thirst. He's going to give you water of life to drink freely. This, of course, <clears throat> all of this is not what heaven's going to make heaven for me. All the things in heaven, that's not going to what, what's going to be heaven. We sing a song, Jesus is going to be heaven for me. Jesus is what's going to make heaven for me. And that's what it is. Jesus is going to make heaven for me. I don't know about you. If you turn to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation 4. And 1 through 4. And after this I looked. And behold, a door was open in heaven, <clears throat> and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet, talking with me, and said, Come up hither, and I will show you the things that must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was before, was set, set in heaven, and one sat upon it. And he that sat was as looked upon as Jasper, <clears throat> And Sardis, stones. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in the sight, in sight like of emerald. And around about the throne was the 24 seats. Upon the seats, there were four and 24 elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now I'll tell you, this looks like a place I wouldn't mind being, right around the throne. God's giving you your crown. There is a crown. You might always say, well, you know, I've always heard about... There is a crown. He's going to give you a crown. Amen. But that's still not always what it is. Let's read verse 10 and 11. And it says, for the 24 elders, they fell down before him... That sat upon the throne, and what did they do? They worshipped him that liveth forever. They cast their crowns before the throne and saying, "Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure were these things created. I'm going to tell you, the crown ain't going to mean anything. We're going to take the crown, and what we're going to do? we're going to throw it at his feet. Jesus is what's going to make heaven for us. We are going to be able to be in his presence. This is going to be well worth it, church. You need to stay on the course. That's what's going to make heaven for me. The ones that are saved, the ones that are sitting around his throne. Is heaven too far from you? For you? It's not too far from you. Brother Oggs wrote a book, and it says you got to have a want to, you do you got to have a want to, church. we got to have a want to. We need to keep on walking. We need to keep running into his arms. This is not a time to leave his side. Hebrews 4 and 1 says, Let us therefore fear less, a promise left unto us. This is our promise of entering into that rest. Any of you should seem to fall short of it. We don't want to fall short of it. It is not time to fall short. I don't want to fall short, and I don't think you do either. This is the time to rise up, church, more than ever, to live for God, to be steadfast, to be strong in him. Continue to pray. Continue to seek his face. Stay close to him. And you know what? When you're weak, he will pick you up. He will carry you. When you need to be carried, he will. He will. He'll carry you on your back if that's what you need. God wants you there so badly. God wants you there. God loves you. God loves me. God loves his church. Because you've got to remember, you're his bride. Doesn't the groom love his bride? And he is preparing a place for his bride. And someday, we shall enter in. Amen, if we stay steadfast. Amen. God bless you all. Amen.